Chapel this morning. We're so glad that you could join us as we worship the Lord together. Uh, a couple of announcements to share with you this morning. First of all, if you're a visitor, we'd like to welcome you. There is a uh, little visitor card sitting in your uh, pew right by where the hymnals are. If you could fill that out and hand it to one of the pastors on the way out, we would really appreciate that. Kim has an announcement to make in regards to the kitchen. I'd just like to take a moment to bring something to our church family's attention regarding our amazing kitchen here at um, Word of Life Chapel. We're blessed to be able to use the kitchen and the fellowship hall for our family gatherings, birthdays, showers, um, you know, things like that. We also have an amazing food ministry on Wednesday nights that we get to bless our community with. You know, we feed WANA families and leaders. In saying that, a lot of you may not know that our kitchen is inspected by the Department of Agriculture every year. We are held to a higher standard when it comes to using our kitchen. If there are violations, and we have been warned on some things, we could face monetary fines. I am sharing with this with you on behalf of our deacons and our church committee. So a set of kitchen guidelines, um, a checklist, as you may, will be um, posted in the kitchen. We're just asking you to utilize these guidelines to help hold our kitchen to that higher standard for inspection. One of the biggest things to remember when you use the kitchen is to take all open food and drinks with you, even utensils that you might bring from home. Leave nothing on the counters or in the refrigerator. So that's all I'm gonna say. I just need you guys to you know, look at this guideline and just help us to hold the kitchen to a higher standard. Thank you. Thank you. And if you have any questions about the kitchen, you can always talk to Kim, um, she'd be able, more than happy to fill you in on, on some of those things as well, I'm sure. Um, youth group and prayer meeting tonight, youth group five o'clock, prayer meeting 5.30. Um, we have our uh, pie auction and spaghetti lunch next week. So if you have not signed up for that, there is a sign-up sheet in the fellowship hall. Again, proceeds are going to the Bolivia missions trip um, that the youth group is taking in August. Um, our Easter weekend service time. So we're going to be having our first Good Friday service this year. It's going to be at 7 o'clock. Um, if you're not familiar with what Good Friday is, it's the day that we remember as the day that Jesus was crucified. Um, one of the most important days on our calendar. Um, to remember the sacrifice that was made. So that will be from 7 to 8 o'clock. There will be nursery um, for families that would like to bring um, little kids as well. Um, now Easter Sunday, our service will begin at 9.30, and there will be no Sunday school on that day. Uh, the last announcement this morning is that on Sundays at 8.30 in the morning in the basement, um, there will be a time of prayer for our country. If you're interested, please see Charlie Bechtel or Steve Bordner. Let's open our service in prayer this morning. Gracious God, you are such a good God. And Lord, we're thankful that we can gather together to glorify your name. Lord, we ask that you would move in this place this morning, Lord, that we would... Lord, be taught what you want us to be taught, that we would hear what you want us to hear. Lord, we ask that you make yourself evident this morning to the very deepest parts of our souls. In Jesus' name we pray.
let's take a few moments to step out, uh, stand up, step out, turn around, shake a hand. Welcome those around you to our service this morning. fussy already. <laughs> one more announcement, one more announcement. The Northern Dolphin Christian School is having their annual auction uh, coming up in, in April, the 14th, I believe it is. We're sponsoring another table, 
if you want to go, the tickets are free, but you need to get, no, we don't get, we're not handing out tickets. We just need you to see Debbie Markle uh, that you're going and she'll sign you, sign you in. Okay, now he's quiet. We have a couple who uh, is planning on dedicating their little boy this morning. Uh, we have a bulletin and this is what it says about child dedications. The child dedication ceremony it's something that is done for both the parents and the child. It is a public acknowledgement that this child belongs to the Lord and they need his help. You know, every parent does. Is that not right? Every parent needs the help of God. Uh, we are studying, actually, the book of Nehemiah this morning. And they're building a wall uh, as a defense around the city. And Nehemiah came before God and prayed and asked God to strengthen his hands uh, to build this wall. Well, we have families that are building families, parents who are building up their children, and we do need the help of the Lord. And so Pastor Tony and Sarah, uh, they want to dedicate their little boy, uh, Nehemiah, this morning. So I ask that you come and meet me at the front of the church Yeah, this is fine right here. It looks as though there's a few folks here who have uh, come to observe uh, our time together. And so I have a few uh, questions, actually statements, that I'm going to ask of you, five of them. And I'll, I will wait until all five have been asked, and then I'll ask that you say we do. And then I'm going to turn to you as, your, as the congregation who is witnessing this, and I'm going to ask you too for a commitment and then we're going to have a prayer of commitment. And so I ask you, Pastor Tony and Sarah, first of all, uh, do you testify that you have personally received Jesus Christ as your own Savior and your own Lord? Do you also testify that Jesus will be at the center of your home, that the Bible will be honored as the Word of God? Thirdly, do you testify that by committing your son, Nehemiah, to the Lord, your desire is that he someday will also receive Christ as his own personal Savior. Fourthly, do you testify that you will invest time, energy, devotion, and prayer for your son and help him cultivate a, a relationship with Christ? And then finally, do you testify that you need God's help to be godly parents for your son? If so, say, we do. We do. And I look to you as the congregation who has now witnessed and observed this dedication. I say to all of you, because you're a part now of ra helping raise this little boy as he grows up in this church, do you as members of the body of Jesus Christ, do you solemnly promise to help this couple in raising this little boy? to encourage them in their responsibilities, to provide an atmosphere of love and concern for them and their child, and to pray diligently for the well-being of this family. If so, say, we do. Okay, Sarah. Here we go. Oh. <laughs> See that? 
Uh, I don't know if it's the touch or just in shock. Oh, well, let's pray together. Father, for this dear little boy, we thank you. We pray, Lord, that you might bless him greatly. Father, may he grow to love you with his heart and his soul and his mind. And Father, give Pastor Tony and Sarah great wisdom and discipline. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, I know. There's nothing like being in the arms of mommy. You're a good guy, though. Thank you. Oh, God bless you, Tom. Thank you, Pastor Tony. Thank you. How many of you saw him push my cheek? You all had your eyes open during my prayer? Is that right? You all were watching during my prayer. Okay. Leonard, you're going to come. Would you come and lead us in hymn number 11? Thank you. If you use your hymn book, it's hymn number 11. A mighty fortress is our God. It's taken from Psalms 46.1. God is our refuge and strength. I'll ask you to stand with me as we sing this. Hymn number 11. A mighty fortress is our God, our well-burdened our well-burdened with the flood of mortal ills prevailing, for still our
seated. If you uh, take out your prayer list, I'd like to point out a few things. Uh, first of all, it's good to see uh, Gary Pritchard with us this morning. Uh, Gary had a little bit of a heart issue uh, a little while ago, but he's back here, and we thank the Lord for that. Um, keep Reed Lebo in prayer. Uh, Reed is going to be having uh, hip replacement surgery on March the 30th. And Mary Alice Young... Uh, she's going to be having a knee replaced on that same day, March the 30th. So please keep these folks in your prayers. I also listed uh, a friend of Lloyd Howard's. Her name is Betty Fulton, who has rheumatoid arthritis. So uh, we want to pray for her as well. Father, as we come before you once again, we are indeed grateful that you, Father, have given us access into your presence through Christ Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus, he is the mediator between God and man. And Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that you have provided a way that we can come to you. We can bring our praises and bring our petitions in the power of your Spirit. Father, we are thankful for this service this morning. We thank you once again that you have brought us together. Father, on your day, this is your day, and we will rejoice and we will be glad in it. We thank you, Father, for the great salvation which is ours. Father, that through Jesus we have life eternal. Father, we're entering into now that time of the year when we think about his death we think about his resurrection we think about the good news the gospel found in Jesus Christ alone that through his death and burial and resurrection father we can have life he died for the sins of the world Lord he rose to give us power to be overcomers we thank you for Jesus and all that he means to us. Lord, he means everything to us. We stand before you because of him. We come before you because of him. We are saved by grace because of him. Lord, it's all about him. So today, Lord, may he be honored and glorified. Father, I thank you for intercessory prayer. What a privilege, Lord, to be able to bring each other before you, to pray on behalf of one another. Lord, this is a great responsibility that you have placed on the lives of believers. Father, we are instructed to pray for one another. And so we come before you, Lord, this morning, and we do ask that, Lord, you might watch over Reed and Mary Alice as they anticipate these sur surgeries at the end of this month. Father, we thank you for touching Gary and, Father, that you have raised him up quick, so quickly. Father, we think of Betty Fulton and, Father, although we may not know her, Lord, we, we commit her to you and ask, Lord, that you might give her that healing touch that she needs. I, I pray, too, Lord, that you might continue to comfort uh, the Gunser family, having, you know, Jeff having lost his mother just recently. So we commit them to you as well. 
Lord, to be able to pray for one another. Father, what an honor and privilege it is. And so we bring these folks before you. We place them at the foot of the cross and ask that, Lord, you might do a great and wonderful work through them. Father, I pray, too, that we might be a church that is filled with love, love for one another. For Father, the Bible says that the world will look at us and we will be known for that love or lack of it. Father, my prayer is, is that the reputation of this church, as the world looks at us, they might see a fellowship that just enjoys being with one another. Give us the love that you have given to us. Help us to give that love to others. And so, Father, we commit these things to you. You are a great God. And once again, Lord, as we continue to be moved into your presence through song, Lord, do just that. Draw us to yourself. May you be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name. I invite you to stand with us as we continue to worship the Lord this morning. Hear the heart of heaven beating, Jesus saves. Near the heart of heaven beating, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And the hush of mercy breathing, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Jesus, 
will sing forever. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus
songs to sing this week, and, and the song Word of God Speak was brought to my mind. Word of God Speak, would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God Speak. At a loss for words And the funny thing is It's okay The last thing I need Is to be But to hear What you would say The word of God speaks would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and God. 
so thankful for the chance that we have to hear your word this morning. Lord, we ask that you speak through Pastor Bob, given the words that you want him to speak to our souls this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Bible says that we are in a great spiritual battle. The Bible says that we are the targets of the enemy. The Bible says that we, however, are equipped, that God has given us what we need to be able to stand against the darts of the evil one. And we've been looking at that equipment. Last week we looked at prayer, how important it is to pray as one of our weapons, recognizing that this battle is the Lord's, that it's not something that we see, it's something that is out there in the invisible spiritual world. But God has also equipped us for victory with another weapon, and it's the weapon of His Word the Bible, the Scriptures. I would invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We didn't read this text in its entirety. We looked at a verse last week, a few verses the week before. But this morning we want to look at just one verse. But I want to read this text from beginning to end, starting at verse 10 through verse 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an, an ambassador in chains. 
Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. As you see here, the equipment or the weapons are not limited to two. Paul mentions others. But in this series, we're just looking at prayer and the word. And it says here in verse 17 at the very end, it says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit, verse 18. The sword of the Spirit, verse 17. Reminders that this is a spiritual warfare. Reminders that we need God to help us in this battle. The battle not being against flesh and blood, not against physical enemies, but spiritual demonic forces being led by Satan himself to destroy relationships, to ruin our testimonies, to devastate our families, to divide our churches. In this battle, human effort is inadequate. And so our weapons are not material. They're not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The weapon this morning we look at is the Word of God. The Bible. And Paul compares it to a physical sword. A physical sword. Let's look at what the sword was in Paul's day. There actually were two words to describe sword. One was ramphaya. Now this was a long sword. This was a broad sword. This was a two-handed sword. This is a sword that you held and you would swing it to destroy the enemy. That's not the sword that is spoken of here. There's another word that's translated sworded. That's makahira. This is a short sword. This is a double-bladed sword. This is a sword that's used in hand-to-hand combat. This is not a sword that you swing as much as it is a sword to stab. This is what the Romans called the gladius. This is what the Romans called the gladius, carried by every foot soldier. It was their principal weapon. It became known as the sword that conquered the world. It's this sword that most likely Peter, you remember when Peter was in the garden with Jesus and he cut off the ear of the soldier, Malchus. This is probably the sword that he had in his possession. It's this word that is used here in chapter 6 and verse 17. The sword of the Spirit. And it's this sword, this double-edged sword, that Paul is comparing to our spiritual sword, the Word of God. So think about this for a moment. This physical sword, the Makariah, the sword that conquered the world. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. The Makariah. This sword was sharpened on both sides. It was used to, used to penetrate. It was used to pierce. The scriptures, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, 
are sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It's this weapon that God has given to us to stand against the evil one when he comes to attack us. I want to look at a couple of verses, if I may, this morning. The first one's in 2 Timothy chapter 3. To understand the Bible, to understand what it is, what is the book that is lying in your lap this morning? In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, we read these words. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is an inspired book. This is a God-breathed book. It is the very Word of God. And it carries with it, because it has been God-breathed, it carries with it the very authority and the power of God Himself. Martin Luther, the great reformer who started the Protestant Reformation, when he nailed his 95 Thesis to the door of the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Back in 1517, Luther's concern was the scriptures, that it be the sole and ultimate authority for the church and Christians, that there is no other authority that we have but the scriptures. It is the scriptures alone, not equal to the authority of the church or any denomination or any pastor or any pope. It has no equal here on earth. The Bible is the supreme and sole authority for faith and life. We have in one of the articles in our Constitution that very statement that we believe that the Bible alone is to be used for life and faith. In Psalm 119 and verse 89, the Bible says it is settled in heaven forever. This is not a book like any other book. This is truly the Holy Bible. It is inerrant. It is infallible. It is God-breathed. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look with me at 2 Timothy. I'm sorry, 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. In verse 20, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is not a man-made book, although God used human authors to pen the scriptures. It did not come from human will. Let me give you an illustration, and I know it's certainly not you know, a perfect illustration, uh, but to help you understand how we, 
we, we got the Bible that we have in front of us this morning. I had a chance a couple weeks ago to teach uh, the TNT boys in Awana. And the lesson that I had was about the Bible. And I wanted the boys to understand how we got this book. That it is not another textbook that you use in school or something you have in the library. And so I asked for a volunteer. And a young fellow raised his hand. Well, many did, but I chose this one young fellow. And he came to the front of the classroom, and I put a high, uh, high, uh, uh, high mark, uh, highlighter, in his hand. And so he's holding the highlighter in his hand, and I said, now I want you to write your name on this whiteboard. But I said, I don't want you to move your arm. And I took his wrist, and I started to write out his name. And I wrote his name, and then I turned to the boys and said, now who wrote the name on that whiteboard? Well, who did? See? He held the pen, but I was moving his hand to pen and write exactly the letters I wanted him to write. That's how God, and again, it's not a perfect illustration, but the Bible says God used human authors. Paul held the pen. Daniel held the pen. But God was carrying them along, as we read here, by his spirit. He, wasn't, he didn't remove their personalities. He didn't remove their writing skills. For example, the psalmist, David, wrote songs and hymns. That's what he enjoyed. Paul, he wrote letters. So God didn't take that away from them, and yet God had them write exactly what he wanted to be written. And so we could call this, in fact, the Word of God. God moved and carried these authors along to write what he wanted them to write. And now God says, I'm giving you a weapon, a powerful weapon, a weapon that carries the authority and power of God himself. So the question then is, how do we use this weapon? How do we use the Word of God? When Satan comes to tempt you, how do you take this book, the words of God, and use it to extinguish the very flames of the evil one? There are two words in the Bible that speak of the Word of God. Now, I know you think you're in Greek class, don't you? The one word is logos. Logos. It's often used to speak of the entirety of God's word. It speaks of the totality of the Bible. We read in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the word, the logos, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And later on, we know that this word was Jesus who came to dwell among us. Jesus is the Logos of God. He is the word of God, God's full and final word to mankind. But there's another word that is translated word, and it's a word, rhema. Rhema. The word that's used here in Ephesians 6 and verse 17 is the word rhema. The sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. Rhema means 
utterance or saying or a certain verse or a passage which has a specific application to an immediate situation. So when the tempter comes to us, we need to have a verse. We need to have a text. We don't need the entire Bible. We just need a verse that applies to that particular situation. Now the great example that we have in the Bible is that of Jesus. Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 was tempted of the devil. And all three times, Jesus quoted the rhema, a word from God. Not the entirety of God's word, but he took three verses from the book of Deuteronomy to extinguish the flames of the evil one. So let's look. Look at Matthew chapter 4. And let's look at how Jesus took the weapon, the sword of the Spirit, to stand against the devil's temptations. Matthew chapter 4. We have this great and wonderful illustration of how to use the sword of the Spirit. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let's stop there for a minute. (laughs) Jesus was led by God himself to go out into the wilderness and be tempted. Now, why would God do such a thing? Well, let me give you two reasons. Number one, so that Jesus might become our high priest who is able to sympathize with us. You remember the book of Hebrews that says Jesus was tempted in all ways such as we are, yet without sin, so that he might be our great high priest so that he knows what we're going through, so that he can sympathize and empathize with us. That's one of the reasons he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I believe the second reason is is that he might teach us the path to victory. If you want to know how to use this weapon, the sword of the Spirit, then follow the example of Jesus. It's right here in front of us. Verse 2. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God... Okay, now, one more Greek lesson. (laughs) In the Greek, there is what's called a first-class condition. And so the word if really could be translated since. It's not that there's any question here that he is the son of God. He is the son of God. If you're the son of God, since you are the son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered in verse 4, it is written. Okay, here he comes with the word, the rhema. He draws his sword of the spirit. He says, it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Deuteronomy 8.3. He didn't need the whole word of God at this point. He just needs a verse. And he quotes from Deuteronomy. 
So the devil then, in verse 5, he takes him to this holy city. And he had him stand up on the highest point of the temple. And the devil says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, he said, then throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands. So that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answers him it is also written he takes out his sword the sword of the spirit do not put the lord your god to the test deuteronomy 6 16 once again he takes a word from the word of god in this specific situation and applies it again the devil takes him verse 8 to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 13. And then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Each time the tempter comes to Jesus, he takes a word from the word of God and he quotes it. He takes that scripture, knowing that it applies to this situation, in this matter that is before him, he takes that word and says, it is written and quotes that verse. I had a chance, as some of you, to have uh, seen recently uh, the story of Billy Graham. Uh, it was on TV, I think, several times, and it was interesting to me that, you know, um, Billy Graham, as he uh, was early in his ministry, he actually had um, a question about the authority of scriptures. He, he really, he was struggling. You know, how do I preach this word of God if I don't really believe that it is the authoritative, powerful Word of God. But he worked through that, and he came to the conclusion that, that, that we have come to, that this is the authoritative, powerful Word of God. And after that point, he spoke more powerfully, and often, often, and you saw him do it, he would lift up his Bible and said, the Bible says, right, the Bible says, and he would preach. Jesus lifted up, not the Bible, he didn't have a scroll, he didn't have the scriptures in his hand, but he had the sword of the Spirit. He had the Word of God memorized, and he said, the Bible says, and each time he did, the Bible says the devil left, but he came back until after the third time, and then it says he left, and the angels came to attend him. He took a word, Rhema. He took a specific text, a certain verse for an immediate situation. James Montgomery Boyce, he says this in his little commentary on this text. He said, let me put it very directly. Let me put it very direct, directly. 
Here is Jesus Christ, the Holy Son of the Almighty God, the one in whom neither Satan nor man could find any wrong or gain even the tiniest foothold. Jesus, whose eyes were always on the glory of God the Father and who always lived in the closest possible communion with Him. If this Jesus, your Lord and Savior, had to know Scripture in order to resist Satan and win a victory over him, how much more do you and I need to win a like victory? If Jesus needed the very word of God, how much more do you and I need this word? There's nothing more powerful in all of life than a specific word of God. And so when the tempter comes, and I'll use the sermons that we uh, preached a few weeks ago, this, uh, the tempter comes and says, you know what? Life is so chaotic. It's okay for you to be anxious and worry about all of these things. And you say to yourself, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's not right to worry. Jesus said, the Bible says, don't worry. And so someone does something to you at work and you are ticked off you are you are fit to be tied you are so angry with it and then the scripture comes into your mind but the word says jesus said do not be angry or the tempter comes and says you know you ought to be critical do you, do you see how 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 they're acting over there but you know the scriptures. It says, don't judge lest you be judged. You need to know, you know, there's no shortcuts in this. There really are no shortcuts in this. The only way you can use this weapon is to know the Bible. How do you know what scripture to bring before the tempter? Unless you know the word of God. You need to hear it. I know I'm speaking to the choir, you're here, you're listening to it, but you need to hear the Word of God. You need to hear it preached and taught. But you also need to read it. It's not enough just to come to church on Sunday mornings and hear it preached. You need to be reading it for yourself. It's one of the reasons we're reading through the New Testament. And I appreciate those of you that uh, send questions uh, through email from time to time. I read this. What does this mean? I'm glad you're still sticking at it. We need to hear it. We need to read it. We need to memorize it. Right? I know it's not as easy for some of us than the children in Awana. It's harder to hide the word of God in your heart that we might not sin against God, but we need to memorize scripture and meditate upon it, which means you just mull it over in your head as you read through the New Testament. You find that verse, and what does this mean? How does it apply? It's like a cow chewing its cud. That's what meditate means. You go over and over and over in your head. But unless you know the Word of God, you can't use the Word of God. Unless you know the Word of God, you're in a situation in which the tempter is coming at you. You don't know what to use to stand against him. There's no shortcuts. 
And I know I've said that before when it comes to Scripture. You need to be disciplined in a way to get into the Word of God. You must saturate yourself in this Word. In order to use it, you must know it. We must learn its truths, or we are helpless, helpless against the enemy. Last week we looked at prayer. I hope you are a prayer warrior. You need to be praying. You need to be coming before the throne of God on a continual basis. So you're speaking to God, but God also wants to speak to you, and he does that through his word. It's a two-way street. You pray, God speaks. If you have a Bible, you know, you are blessed with a precious, precious treasure. Not everyone in the world today can say, we have a Bible. You have a precious treasure in your possession. Cherish it. Learn it. Love it. Live it. And see how you are able to stand against the fiery darts of the evil one. Father, again, we thank you for equipping us. Lord, you have not left us alone. You have not given us eternal life and then said, now, and, and said, now go live it by yourself. Father, you have given us what we need to be able to be victorious, to be more than conquerors. And so my prayer for this church is that we would always, as a church, as families, as individuals, we would always see the importance of prayer and the importance of the Bible. Two powerful weapons. If we, Lord, are going to be victorious in this world, then these are two things, Lord, we must be involved in. And so I pray that your spirit, who teaches us all things, might not stop when we leave this place. But Father, move us into these two areas and help us to make these a priority so that we can stand when need be. We thank you again for equipping us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hymn number 470, Onward Christian Soldiers, that's who we are. We're soldiers in the army of God. We're marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ, he's the royal master. He leads us against the foe, forward into battle, see his banners go. Let's stand together. We'll sing this and we'll be dismissed.
see his banners go Onward, Christian soldier Marching as to war With the cross of Jesus Going on before Like a mighty army Church of God Brothers, we are treading We are not divided All one body we One in hope, doctrine One in charity Onward, Christian soldier Marching as to war with the going on before. Crowns and thrones perish, kingdoms rise and wane. Church of Jesus, constant will remain. Of hell can never against that church prevail. We have Christ's promise, and that cannot fail. Onward, Christian soldier, marching as to war with the cross of Jesus. Going on before, onward then, join our happy throng, glory, Lord, and honor unto Christ the King. Sages, men and angels sing. Onward, Christian soldier, marching as to war. With the cross of Jesus, going on before. Father, help us to follow your son's example. Help us, Lord, to have that word ready in due season at that very moment, Lord, when we need it most. Lord, help us to get into this book and learn it and love it and learn it and live it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. same gold dream I lay each one down at your feet every moment of my wandering never changes what you 